Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. All right, a lot to uh, discuss. As we approach uh, New Year's and uh, 2024, Jesse's in for Waddle today. Waddle will join us in an hour from now, and we will uh, pay tribute to our uh, good friend, the never-forgotten Jeff Dickerson. Two years ago today, we lost J.D., Um, and they handed out the Good Guy Award today to um, Eddie Jackson. Well-deserved. Eddie's been around for a while. Always a stand-up guy. He's been through, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of roller coasters. He's been through the good, the bad, but he's always faced uh, the music and he's faced the media, and he's done it with class. Today, uh, he got the Good Guy Award uh, for being a stand-up guy at House Hall. Um, and, and I think I, again, an honor that will live on forever in JD's name, which is the the best way we can sort of honor his legacy. I love it. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, our next guest is a guy that we love. Um, Robert Mays does an outstanding podcast. He works for The Athletic. Um, he's joined us in studio before. He's a Chicago native. A couple of things about Mays that I love. Not only is he knowledgeable, not only is he a Bears fan. I remember it was like a couple of years ago where he was the first guy out of any football guy. I was telling you this, mm-hmm. where he told us. He said, guys, don't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers is gone from the Packers and they trade him. And I remember sharing that with other people and everyone's like, no, that's not going to happen. And Mays was right on it. And sure enough, it happened with the Jets. Well, good. Maybe he can predict what's going to happen with the Bears and we can just shut this whole debate down. And, right and, here. and that's Come to, on, Mays. That's, well, that's to the <laughs> other point of this. Mays was also the first person, and Charlie remembered this, too. I don't know if Charlie was working on this. When Mays was in studio once, and I was still at the moment when I was bullish on fields, Mm -hmm. and Mays was on with us, and I said to him, I go, "Uh, what do you think about fields? And he goes, I'm not sure. He takes a long time processing. He's got a long windup. I'm not sure if it's going to work. And my eyes opened, and I got nervous and then now here we are when i'm running this column and i'm getting beaten up by some parts of bears fans over this so like i think he's a he's a good guest i want to take his temperature on where he feels the future is with the bears with the number one pick with justin fields with matt eberflus so let's bring him in robert mays joining waddle and sylvie with jesse in for a waddle today on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. That's an intro, is that not, Mays? <laughs> now I feel a lot of pressure. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to live up to any of this. Oh, yes, sure you, you will. will. Sure you will. Set us straight. Set us straight. Where are you with Fields and, and the Bears' offense at this point, and, and including Eberflus? I just think it makes the most sense for everybody for them to move on. It's an opportunity that just doesn't come along that often. And there are so many teams that have to live with their quarterback, even if they're not 100% sold on him, because they don't have an avenue to anything better. And that's where the Bears would be if they didn't have this Panthers pick, but they do. They have a chance to turn the page and start over with a high quality prospect that 
is going to give them four more cheap years as they build the rest of this thing. I just think that you have to tell yourself a story about Justin Fields that you no longer have to do anymore because you have the number one pick. So I think there are still enough holes in his game. There's still enough development that has to happen that why wouldn't you bet on somebody that that development path and that development runway is twice as long. And that's exactly what you'd be able to do. So if they didn't have the number one pick, if they only had their pick and they were picking ninth, I think that he has shown more than enough flashes where you say, okay, we'll keep building around this guy. We'll keep continuity on offense. Let's see where we can take it. But because of the moves that they made last year, that's not something they have to live with. And I just think the easiest move that they can make is just to start over and see where where this thing can go. Yeah, I would push back on some of those arguments. Not that I disagree with your assessment, but the idea you said the the magic words that freak me out. Start over. But what I want to say is, I I think this this argument works. You tell me. You cover this thing. Like I do agree with this argument. If we're still three years in debating him, maybe that's the answer. That right there, like. You pro- good quarterbacks, you're probably not debating three years in. I, I understand that. Does that make sense to you? Like, the fact that we even have to ask the question might give us the answer. I 100% agree with that. I, I just think that if you're having to try to dig deeper into this and, again, trying to tell yourself a story where you're grasping on to these individual moments yeah. rather than being comfortable with what he is as a player in its, in its totality, I think that makes your decision for you. If you're going to have to deal with an imperfect quarterback prospect or an imperfect young quarterback, why wouldn't you pick one that's cheaper and a better prospect coming into the draft than even Justin Fields was? And I don't think, I think the idea of starting over would be scary to some Bears fans. Maybe that's the wrong terminology, but this team is in such a good spot. If you dropped a quarterback like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May into what the Bears already have, that guy is set up for success. I think that Everything about the timeline that the franchise could put themselves on if they were to take a quarterback with the number one overall pick should be exciting to Bears fans, not frightening for Bears fans. And I think that's something that everyone is going to have to get through on their own timeline here over the next five months. <laughs> but I do think that that is a justifiable way of looking at it. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I tried to tell Jesse, that it isn't starting over, that you're sort of handing the baton to the next guy. And yes, there will be development, but but you're you're in a really good place with your with your team. All right, let's I want to continue to sort of go through some of the scenarios on this and, and sort of play devil's advocate on a few different avenues. What about what a lot of listeners and fans call in with, Robert, when they say, what about building a super team? What about continuing to play the game that polls did and, and getting a king's ransom for the number one pick and getting more multiple first round picks and continuing to build around fields with more assets? I still think that you want a difference-making quarterback. I still think a difference-making quarterback... A a quarterback on a rookie contract is the most valuable thing that you can have. A good quarterback. (laughs) Rookie contract. Okay? So now you're giving yourself four more years of a rookie quarterback contract to help build the team with financial assets you wouldn't otherwise have. But the other important thing is it's still best to have a difference-making quarterback, a true difference-maker, like a potentially elite guy. So now you're giving yourself a potential pathway to both of those things. Because that's potentially what Caleb Williams and Drake May are. They are pathways to an elite quarterback. Even if Justin Fields ends up becoming a slightly above-average quarterback, do we ever think he's going to be one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the league? 
No. I don't know. I don't even. And I sort of support keeping them, but I don't either. And so I think that giving yourself the opportunity to potentially have an elite quarterback while also having a quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract for four years, those two boxes being checked, that to me becomes more important than finding an extra pass rusher with the 11th pick in the draft. All right, let me go two more scenarios. Let me go with the other scenario that fans call in with and they say, not only if you take the quarterback first overall, then you're also passing on uh, one of the best uh, wide receiver prospects ever. What about drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. with a first overall pick? And then with your second first round pick, maybe you take the third or the fourth quarterback prospect. I would much rather do the flip side of that, where you take the best quarterback prospect and you take the third best receiver prospect. That guy from Washington, people love him. Aduzier, I, I think that's you would much rather make the concession and you'd much rather make the compromise on the receiver than you would on the quarterback. And there are receivers available in this draft. This is the correct draft to make that sort of bet at that position specifically. I don't think there's ever a correct draft to make that sort of bet at quarterback. What about the having your cake and eating it too scenario where you do draft Caleb Williams or Drake May and you keep Justin Fields for one more year just to be sure and you sit the rookie quarterback that season? I think that comes with two drawbacks. One, I think his value is higher now than it would be in a trade because a team can get one of those cheap years out of him. So I, th- I think that if you're going to try to get a second and a fourth, let's say, which was the Sam Darnold uh, price tag, I think you're more likely to get that now than you would a year from now. Second, have you seen what every single one of his teammates has said about him this year and how much they like him yes. and how much they respect him? Do you want that as a complicating factor in the locker room as you're trying to turn the page and move on? I personally wouldn't. So I just think it's a clean break and you're getting the most back for him in a trade if you move on from him even before you draft him. But I like... A different scenario, and that's keep fields, draft a quarterback much later, third or fourth rounder, which, again, we find talent there all the time, and then see if it can work with you know even a better team around fields. And if it doesn't, you are grooming someone that wouldn't divide the locker room right away because he's not the obvious first-round pick. But I want to go back to Caleb Williams, um, Robert. You know, if you convinced him, if you can convince me he's this special guy, uh, you know, nothing's a for sure thing. Then, then I'm on board with that. But like, is he? Cl- I'm just asking because in hindsight, it's easy. Is he clear cut better than Trubisky was coming out? Clear cut better than Trey Lance? Clear cut better than most of these top guys that have worked or haven't worked? Whatever. Is he as good as Patrick Mahomes at that time? You tell me that then maybe I'm on board. But I just feel like every everybody's a risk these days because, you know, you're not he's not Peyton Manning, you know? There's always going to be a risk, but I still think that they are – and this is what I hear from people who study the draft all the time. That's not something I do full-time. But Dane Brugler, who does it full-time for us at The Athletic, these two guys, both Williams and May, are a different class of prospect than what we were dealing with last year and that we what we typically deal with at the okay. position. Trevor Lawrence is obviously an exception. He was a high-class quarterback prospect, and he has been a good NFL quarterback. He's not a great NFL quarterback, but if he's the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the league for the rest of his career, that's absolutely something you can live with. These are all bets that you're making, but I think it's a smart bet. The type of guys, the type of prospects that we're talking about here, plus 
the cheap aspect that comes along with them, it just seems like the surest way to make the best possible bet. And I understand that you can draft a quarterback later, but even if we occasionally find guys in the third, fourth, fifth round, the numbers and the history you tell you, you mostly have to find star quarterbacks in the first round. For the most part, that is where they are drafted. But you don't have to, you don't have to find Super Bowl winners in the first round. I mean, we have Tom Brady as a way to kind of shift <laughs> the numbers. But for the most part, difference-making quarterbacks and the easiest way to elite offense every single year is finding a truly great quarterback, sure. and most of those guys are found in the first round. Yeah, Robert Mays joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie. Jesse's in for Waddle. Let's talk about the coaching staff. Um, they're like Brad Biggs in the Tribune, who, who, who's been doing this forever. He has a gut instinct that Eberflus is back. It seems like there's more traction on that. Courtney Cronin thinks there's a 45% chance he's back. Oh, what do you think? Do you think he's back? And if so, is that the right move? That is much more complicated and much more difficult for me than the field's decision. Because what you want to see out of the coaching staff is progress. You want to see improvement. You want to see things trending in the right direction. And that's what they've done. The defense has gotten so much better. He's a defensive-minded head coach. And the development that you've seen from so many guys on that side of the ball, and especially some of the young pieces they drafted, I understand Bears fan looking at that and saying, I don't want to risk that. I don't want to risk moving on from him and potentially losing so much of the progress that you've made on that side of the ball. That being said, so we've played this game how many times? Where uh, lame duck staff is allowed to draft a quarterback. He's there for one year. That staff gets fired. And then you're moving on to a different offensive staff in year two with a guy that you drafted in the top 10, in the top 12. It is a recipe for failure. And I think they've done it so many times that it would give me pause doing it again. I think this is almost similar in a way to the discussion we're having about fields. I think he's played well enough to justify having more time, but because they have the number one pick, it changes the conversation. I think that Matt Eberflus has done enough to justify him having more time, but because you're likely going to draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick, to me it changes the conversation. I think that your obligation then is solely to the success and the development of that guy above pretty much all else. And I think bringing in an offensive-minded head coach to oversee that is the easiest way to not stunt the development of that quarterback. If you had your choice, do you have a favor to bring in if, if it was up to you? This is always a complicated thing because it's so different, the job. Being a head coach is so different than being an offensive coordinator. And I think that there are guys who check the boxes as coordinators that ultimately may fail as head coaches because they can't command the room. They don't really understand the scope of the job, all of that stuff. But based on how we pick coaches and based on his success in that role, I think that Ben Johnson would be extremely interesting. What he has done in Detroit, I think he has done as good of a job as any play caller in football over the last couple of years based on the talent that he has. They have answers to everything. Their personnel is deployed in the exact right way. And that guy is taking a quarterback that was a cast-off. There was a throw-in in that trade for Matthew Stafford. And that is one of the best five offenses in the league and has been over the last two years. So I think based on what he's done as a coordinator, he would be my best option. But I think there are a few more guys that are intriguing, even if they're not the primary play callers for their teams. Hey, expanding the, the conversation to outside of Chicago, did you, uh, you sort of... A- 
uh, I don't know, where do you stand with the Niners after they got knocked off uh, the, their pedestal there? I was, I was, I guess, in the Mike Florio camp. I thought they were... They were pretty invincible, and the Ravens just took it to them. Um, certainly the Ravens have to be a Super Bowl favorite, but are the Niners knocked down a notch after that? No, I don't think so. Not in my mind. I still think the Niners are probably the best team in the league, honestly. I think they're a fantastic football team, and I think they got jumped on by a very good defense who created a couple of splash plays. You got a couple of tipped ball turnovers that swing the course of that entire game, but the Niners had explosive. The Niners moved the ball. And so I think the Ravens are a very, very good team that we probably, that I think a lot of people were not ranking highly enough or thinking highly enough coming into that game. But I, I don't see the Niners any differently than I did before they played that yeah, game. Yeah, it, it, it really good. Yeah, it happened to be a bad game for Brock Purdy. He hasn't had many, he just simply had a bad game. You know, I think when playing against the Niners, they're going to get explosive plays. They have the highest explosive play rate in the league. They are so good at gashing you on offense. You have to gash them on defense. You have to create a few of those explosives yourself. And that's what we saw from the Ravens. They, the blitzes, the unconventional blitzes, the way that they were trying to find those plays, they're set up to do that in a way that very few defenses are. So even if the Niners offense turned the ball over more than they typically do, I still think against pretty much 31 other teams, they're not going to run into the issues that they ran into against the Ravens. Probably, probably not. the best defense in the league. Yeah. You know, I use that team as kind of my reasoning for keeping fields. Here's Shanahan with this great scheme. He takes Garoppolo to the Super Bowl. Now he's taking the last pick in the draft there. Granted, he's showing more talent than the last pick in the draft. Like, that's my point with all this draft capital and cap space. Build a monster around fields, lift him up. Usually you want the quarterback to lift others, but it can happen the other way around. At least tell me that makes some sense, Robert. It makes some sense, but I don't think that you should learn lessons from a team coached by Kyle Shanahan. Sure. Because there is one Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. He, in my mind, is the best offensive football coach of the last decade. I agree. If you look at what he has done with so many different types of offenses, different types of quarterbacks, and pretty much every single stop, he built a monster with RG3 in 2012 when RG3 was a rookie. Look at what he did when he was the Texans offensive coordinator in 08 and 09, and the numbers that Matt Schaub was Ryan broke football in 2016. If you look at the stats that Matt Ryan and that 2016 Falcons offense put up, they tore it down for two years in San Francisco. He almost won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's done all of this as teams have poached his staff. He's lost all of his coordinators, so many position coaches. And because he is the guy, none of it matters. Right now, what we are watching in San Francisco, and I still believe this even after the Ravens game, this is the final stage of one of the best offensive football coaches that's ever walked through this sport. So I think that what they've done and what they are, that is not something that you should look at as a model, because unless Kyle Shanahan is coming with you as you build that super team with personnel offensively, then I don't think that that model falls into place. I still think it's easier to find the quarterback than it is to find a Kyle Shanahan. How do you feel about Harbaugh right now as a head coach? And what are you hearing, if anything, about if he were to come to the NFL, about what the NFL would do if he were to be suspended in college? I actually I don't have any insight on that. That's something I haven't really talked to people about. Um, I have no idea how they would handle it. In terms of him as a coach, I just wonder what the offensive plan would be. You know, who was he bringing with him to be the offensive coordinator? Because that's going to ultimately be my biggest question. His biggest appeal is as a program builder. It's as a guy who can get everything moving in the right direction. For me, I would find him more appealing if I were a Chargers fan right now. 
where, okay, we have an elite quarterback. We need somebody who's going to get this building in shape. We need somebody who is going to rebuild everything from the ground up in terms of the culture and who we are and figuring out what type of football team we want to be. I think for the most part, Ryan Poles has done a pretty solid job of getting this thing on the right track. So in my mind, if I'm looking for an offensive coach or an offensive-minded coach, I want somebody who is going to give me a schematic advantage first and foremost. Maze, great stuff. How's uh, how's married life versus uh, what dating life was? <laughs> it's the same. Well, that's good. It's the same. I mean, we, my wife and I, we live together. We own a house together. We did that before we were married. And uh, it's been great, though. Oh, I thought you meant you were still phenomenal. dating while you were married. Okay, no, I misunderstood. No, no, no. He just got married this past year. <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, the, the day-to-day is very similar. But we've, we've really enjoyed it. Uh, we were talking about it earlier this week, just kind of thinking about the year that it's been. And this will always be the year we got married. And that's very exciting. And we've really been enjoying it. So I appreciate you asking. Congrats. That's great. Yes. Uh, here's to a great 2024. Uh, keep up the great work. You guys are great to listen to. You're you're awesome to talk to, and uh, we appreciate what you do. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Seriously. There you go. There's Robert Mays from The Athletic, um, a, a big friend of the show, and he's very, very good at what he does. And he I got to give you a good rational perspective, and it's not hating fields. It's all, what I've always said. It's a sort of artificial deadline of yeah, having yeah. the number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I've spun it the other way that – you rarely have all this capital and assets. Why waste it on another quarterback when you already have an okay one? Use it elsewhere to build it. Like You can make the argument either way, but I certainly get that one. And the way he's talking about Caleb Williams, okay, that is maybe generational. So you can convince me. I'm just saying I like this other uh, path to take as well. Yep. Uh, if you want to react, three three two three seven seven six. All right. So we've got uh, Charlie C list in for the A list uh, coming up. Uh, last call for Would You Rather. Send the Would You Rather's to uh, Cr Bevins eleven. That's Charlie. Uh, hashtag it uh, WS Would You Rather. Your best of Would You Rather's. It's an either or question. And also uh, Jack McGrath, which is Jack McGrath at Jack McGrath TV. Yes? Correct. <laughs> yep. All right. So those two are our producers today. So that's coming up in about 20 minutes. We've got a Pride Store gift card. Uh, but let's go through the uh, Aki's A list, which is being handled by our C list producer. Charlie Bevins. It's coming up next. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. It's time for Aki's A-List. From the mind of the man who understands the four P's of Waddle's world. Aki's A-List. A-list. The top questions and topics floating around in Tyler Aki's mind. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Aki's A-List on ESPN Chicago. Tyler's out today, but uh, Charlie Bevins is always doing uh, strong work. We love Charlie. The Chuck Wagon, as we like to call him. And uh, he's got a wagon full of questions. What do you got, Charlie? All right, so uh, I was at the Blackhawks game last night, as I mentioned. And and which, wait, can I m- say something about that? Because I, I did not get a chance to follow up on this. So you stood, you bought standing room only tickets? Yeah, so it was my uncle, uh, my cousin, and my cousin's wife 
my uncle has season tickets. He let my cousin and his wife have them. Um, and then me and him just uh, sat in the SRO tickets. It was buzzing. It, I couldn't believe how packed it was. I was at a game around Thanksgiving that was 70% filled. This place was hopping last night. I'm not surprised, actually. The holidays, people go out. You know, I was out last night in the city. It was packed everywhere. Like, this is the time hey, of year people go out. going out? out? Well, what were you doing out? I went out to dinner with my wife, went to Joe's Seafood, and then it actually oh. we went to Zany's. Oh, a little haven't comedy been, show. I haven't been there in Which 25 one? years uh, over in Old Town. That's the one I work at. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm I a didn't bartender know that. there. I'm going to be there tomorrow. Give me some good seats, for God's sake. Oh, sit in the back. You, you got to get there early. early. Yeah, so I went to Zanies. Anyway, everything was packed. The restaurant was packed. Zanies was packed. I'm not surprised the United Center is packed during the holidays. I think the, it'll be packed tonight for the Did Bulls. Did you get a little pie last night? Um... No, I didn't get any pie. At Joe's, they do. No. They have outstanding, like key lime pie. Did not get any pie at all. Did not have dessert. Once, uh, one of the best gifts I ever got from Joe's was the Pie of the Month Club. They give you a oh, coupon, really? yeah. And I do like pies, but we were running out of time. We get over. We had to get over to Zany's. Okay, for a little comedy. Yeah. So anyway, right. it was hopping last night all over, all over the city. What's the best joke you have these days, Charlie? Yeah. I haven't done. I, don't, I haven't been able to get out there recently. It's been a while. Okay, well you gotta you gotta come up with something yeah. for twenty twenty four. Yeah, I know. I gotta get back in that. Uh, get back in the swing of that. All right, go ahead. What's your question? Um, but so I was, uh, we walk in and they're doing the national anthem. Place is going crazy as it always does, and it reminded me of when that team is rolling. Right when mm-hmm. I was ten. 13 and 15 years old like you would watch that Jesse was covering them yes and so you would watch that national anthem on TV and you'd be like something awesome is about to happen like you would really feel like you're watching something really special and it took me back to being that age and you guys have seen two dynasties you obviously saw the 90s Bulls and uh, Jesse of course was there covering the Blackhawks so I'm curious what what age is like the best time to be witness to a dynasty like what age range would you say like for you the fan yes any yeah (laughs) (laughs) any any is a good answer um because certainly you 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 don't want it to be too young that you don't remember it that well right so it's got to be at least your teenage years where your formative years i got like, if, if you watch the Bulls when you were seven, you're not going to remember it the same way. as so You're at least a teenager. But it might be that. That might be the answer as a teenager because that's really where you. What, what I love about my experience with the Bulls is 91, 92, 93 is when I was in college. So I, through high school and through then college, I watched them as a fan. 95 uh, through 98. I was a reporter, mm-hmm. so I got to cover the last three championships as a reporter. So I got the first taste of it as mm-hmm. a fan, and then I got the professional experience covering them firsthand. So I got I got to see it from both sides, and it was really cool for me. So I wouldn't trade that for anything, but to answer Charlie's question, yes, my answer is any, any because we it, uh, you can't. Beggars can't be choosers. If we can get championships, whether you're in your teens, whether you're in your 20s, whether you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, and you can enjoy, like, like if you're a 50-year-old right now, like me, 52 years old, and you can share that uh, dynasty with your kids, 
That's got to be special. So you, you and I are about the same. It, we've had two in our lifetime, the Bulls and the Blackhawks, right? Yes. That's it. We've had right. two. I mean, there was a moment in time when we were pretty young, the Bears, I, you can't call it a dynasty. They only made it to one series. But they were like, they were regular season dynasties. You know, they were a regular season dynasty, I mean, but not a true dynasty because they only made it to one series. See, I have not been able to share a championship with my kids yet. All of them have been experienced only through the eyes of me as a fan. Mm-hmm. I want to experience now a championship through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, now that they're old enough to see it, and who knows, maybe that will trump everything that I've ever seen. So I don't, like, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I've just said teenage years because that's where you really... Where you grow as a sports yeah, fan. Yeah, just you're, you're, you live and die by it. You know, I'm, for me, as you get older... I don't live and die by it as much. You know, you probably do, but still. Anyway, right. I, my, my answer is teenage years. Teenage years. It's pretty good, right, because it does shape your your, your sports fan love. Yeah. All right. That's a good question, Charlie. Yeah, that was interesting. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it, I remember coming back to visit every summer, and those summers that were right after the Cup were unbelievable. Like after – you know that the win it in May or June, and then you I come visit in July, and like you can still feel the energy. So well, and, and like Michael was a rookie, and like this is kind of how I feel about Connor Bedard now. Michael was a rookie in '84 when I was 13, 12 going on 13 that summer, and when you're that young to experience watching him as a 12 or 13 year old. And to experience that through your junior high oh, years and then so your high good. school years into your college years. Like, you grew up. You physically grew up watching him in your formative years. That's huge. No, you're right. And for me, it was a similar thing. As a fan all those years and then as a sports radio producer, we traveled with the Bulls during those years. Like, I saw the whole dynasty from start to finish because I'm a couple years older than you. So it was, like, similar thing. Like, first you see Jordan as a fan. Then you see it up close as a sort of member of the media on the outskirts. I'm not doing hardcore Bulls coverage. I was a sports radio producer. Sure. But I'm staying at the Plaza Hotel where the Bulls are staying during the Knicks and Bulls oh. semifinal. It's, like, insane. So you, we, we, we are fortunate, in other did, words. Did, we are fortunate. Did the Cubs winning it, like, did – was it – I, I would never want to say all those years of losing is a blessing, but did it make it sweeter because we waited so long? Yeah, yes, absolutely, 100%. The more you hurt, the better it feels. Feels. I think the tweet I sent when the, when the Cubs won it was, hell has frozen over. I wouldn't have sent that tweet if I was covering the Yankees. I wouldn't right, have. Right. It was you just, know, it was just <laughs> another, another end of the October. Yeah, right. right. So, yes, absolutely, after years of frustration, when you win it, it feels that much better. No doubt about it. It's almost like the same in your career or job. Like, once you've been knocked down a hundred times and you finally get that job or whatever it is, you feel better. It just, it's more satisfying. It's a great question, Charlie. All right, so Tyler and I were talking about this last night, about how many teams, if they had the number one pick, you know, let's say they, they made the Panthers trade or whatever, if they had the number one pick, how many teams would absolutely not even have a conversation about drafting a quarterback? And we didn't think there were that many. The problem was there are a lot of teams who we decided would at least have that conversation or definitely would. And a number of those teams, I would say, have better quarterbacks than Justin Fields right now. Like, I think the Cardinals would probably draft a quarterback. I think, um, like, Tampa Bay would probably draft a quarterback. Baker Mayfield beat Justin Fields when they played each other. 
There's a lot of teams that would do this, like Cleveland, for example. They would do it. So I'm well, curious. Who are the teams that wouldn't? Well, so, Miami, yeah. Buffalo. Are you sure about Miami? Oh, come on. I think come so. On. With that you, coach I now. Mean, come on, Charlie. Now we're doing the whole, the next sure? guy up is better than the guy we... Give me a break. You're not replacing Tua with a first-year guy that's done... I mean, come on. What are we doing here? I just thought... I'd, I Jesse think they, got very angry I, at I think they would have the conversation. Uh, but, like, Kansas City, absolutely not. Baltimore, absolutely not. Buffalo, absolutely not. Jacksonville, not. Not. Um... Houston, absolutely not. Like, there was only a handful of teams that we thought would not even, there wouldn't Chargers. be a scout in the okay. room. Well, so, what, were there, like, well, look, it's come up about the Chargers. Like, I, I know no. Big Cat on PMT brought it up. Would the Chargers trade Justin Herbert for the number one overall pick to the Bears? Um, would the Chargers do it? Maybe. I mean, I don't know their their their, their situation and intimately. They get out from under his contract. They need to trade the, the coach, uh, which they just did. You know, they, that, that it seems like the coach is holding him back more than Justin Herbert. You, the one that Charlie brought up that I argued with was Jalen Hurts. Charlie tried to sell me that Philly's always looking to to move on or to um, like Howie Roseman is always. They're not moving away from Jalen Hurts for. I don't think so. I think he's crazy to, to name some of these teams. But this goes to my other point, Sylvia. I haven't brought up on the, on this show today, and it's it's this idea you bring up like the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know what else is going on with the Cardinals, but here's my point: if all you have going for you is this number one pick, not a lot of cap space, not a lot of building blocks, then I get the idea of rolling the dice for Caleb Williams and hoping he is generational and he brings everybody up. But that's not the Bears situation. They are they have pieces around them. They have cap space. They have tons of draft capital. They don't have to put all their eggs in this one basket. Well, so so some of these teams have a lot of things. Some of these them. teams Charlie's mentioning have nothing going for them. Like the Cardinals don't have much going for them. So yes, roll the dice on him. But the Bears have things going for them. And I, that's why I don't think they need to start over with a new quarterback and Someone roll the say dice on that's him. That's backwards what you're saying. I know. I know. But I don't think it is. Hmm. <laughs> do you have one more, Charlie? Then I we'll do. Get to would you rather? Uh, no, let, let's do this last one really quick because I was thinking about it this morning. Um, I think there's we're talking a lot about what back, what types of backgrounds we want a potential Matt Eberflus replacement to have. And I know, like one big thought. I know, Sylvie, you're you're kind of all in on Harbaugh. Is there? Um, one of the big things that people want is a coach with experience. They don't want a first-time guy just because we've been burned by it a few times. But I would argue that if you look at the list of the best coaches, mm-hmm. Sean McVay, right. Kyle Shanahan, right. Mike McDaniel, Andy Reid's a different one. But I think the majority of them are guys who weren't head coaches before they got this job. Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh. So is it... Are we maybe thinking it about that the wrong way if we're thinking that we need to hire a guy that has back, uh, head coaching experience? I, I, I've gone after Cap for this. It's the same thing as drafting the right quarterback, Charlie. You've got to get the right one. It was like that when they had Bruce Arians in the building. Bruce Arians was the coordinator, the hot coordinator, who was the interim head coach. They could have given him his first head coaching gig. They chose Mark Trestman instead. You know, they they could have given Mark, uh, Mike McDaniel his first job. Oh, that would have been awesome. They didn't. I don't even know if they interviewed Mike McDaniel. 
Um, so you, you've got to just do the right process and, and hire the right guy instead of hiring the wrong guy. Like the White Sox have done. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> or haven't done it. Yeah, say. I mean, like, look look at all every year. There's a, There are always going to be coaches that fail. There are lots of second-time coaches that fail. Lots Josh McDaniels. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, right. So there's no guarantee that if you hire a guy who's done it before that he's going to succeed. Um, you just have to make sure that your process is the right process. Yeah, I mean, all the great coaches were first-time coaches at we, some point. Lovey was like, a first-time head coach. Kyle Shanahan, wouldn't you love to hire him for the first time? Sure. And get the benefits? So you're right. Just make the right call based on the process. You, you're the right process you go through. Sure, sure. All right, good stuff, Charlie. All right, would you rather uh, coming up and then at 5 we'll talk to Waddle. Uh, he's going to pop on and we're going to pay tribute to uh, – our, our good friend uh, Jeff Dickerson. Today uh, is the anniversary. Two years ago, we lost J.D. They gave out the uh, Good Guy Award at House Hall to Eddie Jackson. We'll, we'll share some memories with you. I know how much uh, he was beloved in this town, and we will never forget J.D. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie are back. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Hey, this is Coach Mike Dick. Greg Olson here. This is Stacy King. Hey, this is D Rose. What up? This is Ludacris. Hello, this is Dick Bird. Would you like to play a little? Would you rather? Oh, my. That's right. Let's give away a gift card to the Pride Store. You uh, tweet us. Use the hashtag WS Would You Rather. Uh, Charlie and Jack are uh, narrating this today. What do you guys got? All right. Pro wants to know, would you rather have the ability to travel forward in time at any moment, but you can't travel back in time to when you left? Or would you rather have the ability to travel back in time one hour once a year? I mean, do you take gambling things out of it? Because I can get rich with one hour. I think. Actually, I'm not sure. Sure, with live betting. Well, with live betting. Exactly. Yeah. So if you take gambling out of it, I think I'd... Wait, you can't come back after you, you go forward? Come, if you go forward, you cannot come back in time. What is it? I don't know what an hour going back besides the gambling aspect would do for me. And what, what fun is it if you cannot come back? Like what? If, right, if I'm going forward 100 years and I can't come back. I'm going to miss my family. Yeah. No, I'm going back an hour. I guess I'll go back Once an a hour. Year. Yeah. I guess I'll go back an hour. You could um, you could write a lot of wrongs. Right. You could especially, yeah, if you're married, you could definitely write some uh, wrongs. For sure. <laughs> you go back and you do hundred percent can go back. Yeah. We'll go back an hour, both of us. That's a good one. All right. So the next one is throws us back to the Rubik's Cubes a little bit earlier. Would you rather spend one year in prison and get out exactly after one year? Would you rather be given a Rubik's Cube and you can't leave jail until you solve the Rubik's Cube? It's a good one. The, the jail ones are always yeah. good would you rather. So, Sylvie, okay. we went to directional colleges. I know. Could we do it within okay. a year? Anything? Right. That, uh, right. Can we study it enough right. in the jail cell where we would learn how to solve that Rubik's Cube in less than a year? I don't think I'm smart enough. I think we could. You think if that's so? that's all we did 24-7? Like, do we have access to the jail computers? Or the other inmates? 
<laughs> that might have a well, thought. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> No, you can't have access to computers. That, what do you that, mean? Don't they have like some well, sort know, of a library that's, that's with computers? Cheating, that would be cheating. What do you mean? That would that would well, well he, he tutorials. Did, the tweet did not say no computers. Okay, so then, like, oh, can't you get tutorials? I mean, they have I books guess. and they have. Oh, then I would definitely. We, you could Google anything. Then of course. at that point, you might as well just peel the stickers off, like you were saying, and put them back where they well, were. I don't think that's cheating. Yeah, I think you have to legitimately solve it. Okay. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble. Uh, I, you can do it. Yes. Yeah, me too. I'm going with it. Night and day. I, I think in a year yeah. I'm gonna. We gotta figure with it out. With this pea brain, I I still think I could do it. Right. Because remember, we're not focused on anything else. We can't watch sports or talk sports or debate sports. This is it. Solve the Rubik's cube. Oh, we could do it. What an existence. <laughs> All I right. bet we could do it in a couple months. Well, let's waddle that question yeah. at five. All right, Matt wants to know, would you rather pay Justin Fields $40 million or pay Cody Bellinger $40 million? Say it again, say it again. Would you rather pay Justin Bellinger. Fields $40 million or Cody Bellinger $40 million? Bellinger, because that's ballpark of, no pun intended, of what he would get. He's going to get 30 a year. So if you would do a shorter-term deal, 40 a yeah. year for five years? Well, I'll simplify I, it. He's just, he's proven more. Yeah, right. He, he's, he's better he's at his job. MV, he's been an MVP. Yeah, he's better at his job than Fields is at his job. Yes. That's my answer. All right, this one's pretty obvious for me, but we'll see if you guys agree. Would you rather sing the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field or run out on the field with the Bears holding the flag that they have pregame? I think it's take me out to the ball game. Oh, for I, me. I would agree I, with that. Oh, I think it's running out onto the field. Oh, really? Yeah. You want to you want to leave yes. the team out on the field with a flag? Yeah, I'd be I'd be nervous to do the seventh inning stretch. That'll go viral. I'll look stupid. But the flag, I can't unless I trip. I'm 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 there. I'll had, do the flag. Had, were you you and Northy ever sing take me out to the ball game? We no? were never asked to. No, never. No, they, they wouldn't let us do it back then. No, that would be fun. Uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun, but running out in the field with the flag, that'd be very fun. I'll say this, though. It's like every team runs out with a flag. Only the Cubs really. I, other teams have the seventh inning stretch, but it's nothing like it, Wrigley, and that's kind of unique. Yeah, that's that's Matt Nagy right there. He That's where it all went wrong, right there. That was after the 2018 season. And when he said he wanted to buy us some penis and Cracker Jack, <laughs> that's where that, it all see went what wrong. I mean? I would end up doing something like well, that. Well, I hope you wouldn't. Well, you I'm, know the words. I would be nervous. Where I don't think I would trip with the flag because that'd be the only thing that could go wrong. You there. know, you, you've been talking a lot about the Niners. How cool is it when they walk out of their locker room? Do you see like Debo Samuel always yeah. holds the yes. boombox? Yeah, love it, love it. That is awesome. Now, how about mine? Would you rather have a scratch off ticket or a let us entertain you gift card, Charlie? Probably the gift card. I don't know. I used to get I used to get um, scratch offs um, like for my grandma. Because the guy won thirty thousand with a gift, a scratch off ticket gift. I've never won more than like five bucks. Right. So how about this? So I'll go with the lettuce entertain you. I'm well. giving you the half the amount of scratch off gift cards of the regular gift card of the lettuce gift card. So do you know what I mean? Like no, if it's a fifty dollar gift card, yeah. I'm giving you twenty five dollars in scratch off with the oh, possibility of, of winning thirty thousand or right, more. Yeah. Right. What do so you want? 25 scratch-offs or the lettuce gift card. You know what? 
In that case, I'll take the 25 scratch-offs. Really? Yeah, okay, why well, not? I know what you got you. Why not? Save me some cash next yeah, year. why not? <laughs> uh, there you go. Save why one on me some I cash. Mean, I, can, I can, you know, go to go to lettuce and pay for my meal and okay, well, then, put a 30, there we go. 30, 40 thousand dollars. We can make that happen now. You bring that back. <laughs> bring it back. <laughs> uh, oh my Ooh, god. What, ha- what just happened? Your computer just, uh, you, you just got me all Jeez. hold on. Alright, uh, we got we to break anyway. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't worry. Jed, was, Jed's not emailing me, so we're okay. Yeah, your phone last week and right, now your, know. your iPad, what was that? Your, uh, my laptop. Your laptop yeah. just fell. Yeah. Alright, uh, coming up next uh, we'll talk to Waddle. We remember uh, a great friend, and that is next.